Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes. In the red corner, boys will be cowboys as Emilio Estevez goes on a rip-roaring rampage of revenge across the Old West after a kindly old cattle rancher gets stamped out by a bitter rival. Blood, bullets and bad boys are plenty as we're talking 1988's Young Guns. Can't go north because Murphy's got men coming out of Fort Sumner. He can't go south because he's got Brady coming in. East is no good because he's got John Kenny coming up now. Let's dance! Regulars! Let's settle up! Objection, Your Honor. The governor's revoked your deputization powers. You're now wanted by the legitimate law as well as those outside the law. You're being hunted by troops. Bonnie is believed to be the captain of a deputized gang. Billy the Kid, huh? While in the blue corner, one for all and all for one, musker hounds are always ready. One for all and all for one, helping everybody know we're not doing Dog Tanyon and the Musker Hounds, which is a shame. But we've got the next best thing, another Tim Curry movie! And that completes this week's obligatory Tim Curry reference from 1993. It's The Three Musketeers. You're under arrest. Five of them, three of us. Hardly seems fair. Maybe we should give him a chance to surrender. Excuse me, but there's four of us. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Hello. Nice to meet you again. Pleasure. Now, we are prepared to resist you. Walt Disney Pictures presents the story of the greatest heroes who ever lived. All ah! live the Musketeers! So, what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. I got away with cattle. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And that's your lot this week. Chris, Tilly is away this week. But don't worry, Tilly Tots, which I've decided to name uh... his specific fans because he'll hate it. <laughs> yeah. He'll hate it. So, Tilly Tots, he'll be back next week. But in the meantime, it's just me, V. And the how are you, V? Oh, I tell you what, uh, two things. What? First of all, <laughs> a, bit, a bit worried. Oh, jeez. I was having to think. I think this show, if this show was a person, you would be its backbone. But I think Chris would be like the bag of skin 
to stop it from just going like, and he's not here. So right. that's a bit nervous. So what, does that make you a, a virus? Uh, the heart. Right, sorry. That's what I was going to go for. I went virus. I meant heart. <laughs> yeah. Second thing, uh, I keep getting ladybirds in my hair and it's starting to get to me. So they're either attracted to, uh, I've got a new shampoo. Mm. Or it's just the time of year. Is it a real shampoo or is it one of these natural shampoos that doesn't actually clean? Like your deodorant that doesn't work. Yeah, it is that. Yeah, because I'm trying to reduce my plastic use. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I stink and I've got bugs (laughs) in my hair. It's it's pretty much the the, the rule, isn't it? Next step, hemp clothing. And then you've got the full set. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I keep combing ladybirds out of my hair, which I think makes me sound like on the surface, like some sort of enchanting Disney princess. But in real life, it's gross and horrible and upsetting. It's the second one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like Mother Nature, like, here, bugs, go free. <laughs> no. They bite, don't they, ladybugs? I don't know, because I get them out of my hair so quickly. Mm. They don't get a chance to bite me on the head. I don't know why I called it a ladybug as well. Some Should people do. Some people Children call them, do. <laughs> children do, yeah. And I'm spending a lot more time with children oh, to yeah. be closer to you. <laughs> But not my kids, just to clarify. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't stand them. Uh, so, you're well. Uh, this yeah. is our third show that we've done without Chris. Yeah, I can remember t- I can remember one. We did Brick. We did Brick and Young Sherlock Holmes. What's the other one? Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah. One and two. Oh, yeah. And we didn't talk about the films very much. Yeah. So, I've actually gone out of my way to write a lot of notes on All the right, film. So, we don't just... Talk about water slides. <laughs> <laughs> the Richard Dunn Centre, just outside Doncaster. <laughs> Lovely place. Uh, so, these were... Chris's choices this week. Young Guns uh, versus 1993's Three Musketeers. Uh, Why? You'd have to ask him. Uh, I don't actually know, but I can tell you he is very upset that he's not here to talk about these movies. Remember in the pub last week, he was like, oh, actually, can we maybe change them? Yeah, power games, isn't it? Just banging on about something he can't control. Mm. So the clue he gave was, you met the history boys, now meet the history brats. Nice. Followed that up on Twitter with fancier curry on Thursday. So we're on Twitter at ClashPod, also on Instagram at ClashPod, and the guesses galloped in over the horizon after about 200 correct guesses a week for Stephen King month. It's good to get back to a smaller amount of right answers. So congratulations, Gemma Page, who came in second this week behind our winner, Andrew Logan. Well done, Andrew. Well done. Well done. Uh, Congratulations. Your prize is a new book. I'm working on called Where's Tilly? It is a lot like Where's Wally, but with Chris Tilly instead. And although it might look like it, it's not just a copy of Where's Wally with a photo of Chris Tilly crudely grooved onto each individual page. Is it fine, crudely Chris Tilly? Glued. Crudely, crudely glued. Glued, okay. Yep. Is it just um, a photograph of the gap and you have to try and find Chris in his gap claws in all the other gap claws? <laughs> he will be mortified that you've said that because Burton. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Burton. Yeah. Forgot he's got a deal with Burton. Yeah. The last man standing. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, until he said it the other week, I was like, they still got it. I thought they went with CNA. I know. Which was his previous favourite. <laughs> so uh, just before we get to the connection section this week, we've got some news for you. We have our next live show happening. It is happening on Thursday, November the 11th at the Loading Bar in Stoke Newington, London. Uh, This is our first show in a bar. Yeah. Very dangerous. That's a good point. <laughs> Hadn't thought of that. Yeah. You've got to mentally prepare because I am. Yeah. I've, do you know, I've taken the day off mm. the, ne- the following day. Have you really? Oh, apart from I've got to go to um, a parent's quiz at my children's school, mm. which is also a drinking opportunity. <laughs> but I, I mean, I can't. I can't be in a state. I sort of didn't mean prepare for the day after. I meant prepare not to just start drinking <laughs> oh, right. the minute we yeah, get yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, no, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so we do it properly. Although we All haven't right. thought this through, seeing as because we're doing it in a bar, the movies we're doing, Tom Cruise's Cocktail versus Coyote Ugly, and there are going to be themed cocktails. I'm really excited about that. That is exciting. Yeah. That is exciting. Uh, dressing up is optional. Mm-hmm. Uh, not for me, No, obviously. Don't. I know. Trying to pick which one of the Coyote Ugly cast I'm going to be going as at the moment. Exciting. Uh, you can all find all the details and buy tickets at eventbrite.co.uk. That's eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E, .co.uk by searching Clash of the Titles. We hope you can make it on November the 11th. It'd be lovely to see you there. So connection section for these two movies. What do you got? I've got Brat Pack on Horses. Mm. Specifically, Charlie Sheen says a little prayer. Kiefer Sutherland drinks alone in both of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I do have a very sort of technical connection 
Uh, so Young Guns was produced by Joe Roth at Morgan Creek, who was also chair of 20th Century Fox, where Roger Birnbaum was head of production. They left Fox to start Caravan Pictures as part of a deal backed by Disney to make 25 pictures, the first of which was Three Musketeers. Have some of that. That's good. Thank you. Because I've got a character removes a cork from a bottle and swigs from it in both movies. True. <laughs> That's where I am. Uh, brothels. Yes. Booze. Bants. Uh, specifically removing the cork from the bottle. Done that. Horseplay. Horseplay. General horseplay. I guess, yeah. Both in terms of horseplay and playing with horses. Not that, but playing on horses. Right, yep. Horse stunts. Mine's better. Yours is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. For once. Yeah, and that's it. The Brat Pack. Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen in both movies. Yes. Uh, film critic Leonard Maslin called The Three Musketeers Young Swords because yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So they are literally genuinely connected. Yeah, they are. They are. Well done, Chris. Well done. So on Thursday, Victoria is giving us a Frenchie as she talks to the Three Musketeers, which means today I'm dealing with some serious beef about beef. Let me take you on a journey. Kindly old John Tunstall has two loves in this world, cattle and young boys. No, not like that. He takes in waifs and strays to work his ranch in return for a soft bed, a good meal and nothing else, okay? <laughs> He's a good guy. Jesus. Anyway, John is murdered because of capitalism, man which takes the form of business rival Jack Palance, who is from Ireland, apparently. <laughs> Although you wouldn't know it from his accent, which is why people keep having to say he's from Ireland. With John dead, his boys vow revenge, or at least Emilio Estevez's Billy the Kid does after a brief struggle for leadership with co-boy Charlie Sheen, who gracefully bows out of the race by dying after saying about seven words in the film. With all voices of reason now dead, Estevez goes full maniac, cackling at murder, guffawing at tragedy, and leading the boys to certain doom. Welcome to your protagonist, guys. Do you like him? Do you understand him? Look, this is a realistic take on Billy the Kid, so stop asking so many questions. Instead, listen to some realistic 80s power ballads over horse chasers. See? Isn't that better? No? Well, tough luck. That's the movie. Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, a Young Guns... <laughs> very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, individual histories with this movie. Do you want to go first? Uh, it's a bit embarrassing. So, when Chris was like, "We're going to do Youngers," I was like, "Oh, brilliant! I've seen it once. I'd really, you know, can't wait to rewatch it. Fantastic!" You hadn't seen it. I don't think I had. <laughs> so, well, no, I know I haven't. Don't know why I just lied. I hadn't seen it. I think I've seen Young Guns too. Oh. Because I knew, I thought I knew what it was, right. and then it was on for like ten minutes, and Terence started going, "My boys," and I was like, "Yeah, no, I'd remember that." <laughs> so I hadn't seen it. So there we are, first time watch, an inadvertent first time watch. Right, right, right. Uh, jinx, uh, first time watch for me really? as well. It's kind of a problem that Chris isn't here because. Uh, we'll Did get... you think you'd seen it then? No, I know. I knew I'd never seen it. Okay. I knew I'd never seen it because I, I don't really like westerns. I realised that when I sort of thought, why haven't I seen it? I was like, I don't think. I just don't watch a lot of westerns. Tombstone is about the yes. only western I count in my top maybe 30 movies. Yeah. Love Tombstone. Yeah. But that's it for westerns and me, really. So, uh, yeah. That said, I did come to this film with an open mind because it's sort of. It's one of those movies that I've always kind of half wanted to watch and just never got round to. And Chris likes this film. He did say that, right, didn't he? He loves it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So having watched it, can't tell if he was joking or not. Oh my God, I'm so glad you said that. I was really worried. <laughs> no, but we can't say that at the start. Right. This will be one of those shows where we just go, what the was that? fuck is this movie? <laughs> so let's at least try. I've, right. got, I've written down everything I hate. All right, yeah. <laughs> and I think there's a thing that I like. Okay, cool that comes up at some point. I'll tell you some very basic facts about the movie. Um, so there's a line repeated a lot during interviews with the cast and filmmakers at the time. This was released about how this is the truest version of the Billy the Kid story and the Lincoln County War. Not everyone seemed to get that memo, though, because Jack Palance was asked about this on set and he said, yeah, I read that. I don't know if it's true. Maybe. <laughs> So I did a bit of reading about the Lincoln County War, if you're interested, the actual history of it. Um, uh, yeah. Lawrence Murphy, Palance's character, ran a business that charged local farmers and ranchers high prices for his goods, causing them to be resented by many local people. So to counter them, 
doesn't really come across this way in the film, but it was John Tunstall who set up a rival business selling them at reasonable prices. And this rivalry involved them hiring gangs, which led to Tunstall being murdered. Billy the Kid in the Regulators vow revenge on one of the Old West's most famous range wars. So it's like supermarket wars, like Aldi versus Asda. Pretty or, much. Okay. Or Lidl. No, yeah. Right. Aldi versus Waitrose? No. Super expensive stuff, reasonably priced stuff, oh, maybe? no, yes, But actually. weird stuff is better. I'm sorry, I've hold my hands up. It is. It is better. Do you do that? I think so. No, I'll say it anyway. Uh, I'm just amazed. Oh, no, I was going to say... If I said Waitrose stuff is better, yeah. you would have gone, no, of course it is for you. Well, because where you live, the Waitrose van is a common sight, and you're like, oh, my property price is protected where I live. <laughs> where I live, I see... Every day, I'm peering... <laughs> curtains twitching, I'm going... I property price. You've never seen me do like a double take so quickly because the green van, it's either the Asda van or the Waitrose van, isn't it? Same colour. Mm -hmm. So on my street, I see the green van. I'm like, we're coming up. <laughs> and then it's, oh, fuck, it's the Asda van. Never mind. I love Asda, by the way. Okay. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. I, love, I'm, I don't have a Waitrose near me and because I don't own a car mm. or... Uh, cycle. I couldn't cycle with shopping bags. I have to go to my local Tesco, and the one in Highgate is genuinely probably the smallest Tesco in the country. It's absolutely tiny to the point where when they bring a new product in, they get rid of an existing product that is on their shelves. <laughs> so I went in and I was Excuse like... Excuse me, have you got Lou Roll? They're like, no, but we do have this cashew bar. Exactly. <laughs> I literally went. I literally went, the, where are the part-baked baguettes? I like them. And he went, tuna fish. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a ridiculous place. But, yeah, so it is exactly like Waitrose versus Little Bit in the Old West. Do you know what? I found it really fascinating reading about the Old West. And I realised that it's because at History GCSE, we did the Old West. Like, we didn't cover, for example, World War Two, mm. like this country's history. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot about the Old West. Like, I can tell you, I think it was 1874, Joseph Glidden invented barbed wire. Right. Can't tell you who Hitler is. <laughs> who Hitler is? Who Hitler was, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> See, is he dead? I don't even He's know. He's roaming around Highgate Tesco. <laughs> yeah, his brain is uh, in one of those little push bike things. Sure. Did I tell you I was tired today? <laughs> Right, so obviously you've got a lot of very famous faces in the film. So the, the so-called what I meant was like a you know they saved Hitler's brain. I meant like on a tricycle you'd have his brain in some formaldehyde, but just the eyes, like in RoboCop two, where Kane's eyes are in the jar with the brain. Yeah, like that. Right. Okay. Because you were asking. Yeah. So the Brat Pack at this point, they were very famous. Now and... I did a little thing on this because I wondered if people might not know who the Brat Pack are or were. Oh, go. So it was first mentioned, the term Brat Pack, in a 1985 New York Magazine article by a writer called David Blum. So I'll read it. So the list, the list has changed over the years. So some, I, used to, I thought before I read this article that it was anyone who was in the Breakfast Club or St. Elmo's Fire. That's what I thought. But when it was first mentioned, that wasn't the case. So it was just the up and coming. There was actors that hung out together, partied together, were in hits, were on their way up, were very young, very good looking. Uh, and why, actually? So his list, David Blum's initial list, but he he lists them all with, he gives them like a sort of epithet kind of thing. So I'll just tell you. Great. So the hottest of them all, Tom Cruise, 23. I don't know if he means hot as in on fire kind of thing because he'd done really well or like I imagine looking. he does. Yeah. Uh, the most beautiful face, Rob Lowe. The overrated one, Judd Nelson. Overrated in 1985, which is... History didn't disagree with him. No. The only one with an Oscar, Timothy Hutton. I don't even know who Timothy Hutton Me is or was. No. Nope. Uh, the one least likely to replace Marlon Brando, uh, Matt Dillon, which is a bit harsh, but there okay. you go. This one, right? I can't. It's the eighties. The ethnic chair, Nicolas Cage. He goes on to qualify that crazy thing to say with his ethnic looks usually land him the part of brother or best friend. And I thought we'll see about that, won't we? <laughs> David Blum, just give it time. And then the most gifted of them all, Sean Penn, and that's the list. Wow. Mm. So I always thought, like you, Breakfast Club. And then I was aware that Kiefer Sutherland was part of the Brat Pack yeah. and Charlie Sheen and obviously Emilio Estevez because of the Breakfast Club. So, yeah, I mean, my list is Estevez had done the Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire. That's why he was hot right now. Kiefer Sutherland had just done the Lost Boys the year before. That's why he was so hot. Lou Diamond Phillips had had a massive hit the year before with La Bamba, mm. which I watched on a coach trip to Hungary just before I threw up. <laughs> and Sheen, uh, he was kind of like the old hand, really. 
really, because he'd done Platoon and Wall Street. And oh, there is yeah. a reason why he was in this movie, which we'll come to. And then you've got the new kids, Dermot Mulroney. Uh, this was his second film. We should do My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, my God, I'd love to. Mm. Are you being serious? This is the first movie when I thought, actually, this will tick a box for you. Yes. And I very much enjoy it. And I think there are some serious issues in that movie. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So we should do that. Uh, And then you've got uh, Casey Simatsko, who had a small role up until this movie as 3D in Back to the Future. He's the member of Biff Tannen's gang who oh, right. always wears the 3D glasses. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's him. Uh, kind of a dream lineup uh, for a youth-aimed Western. Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips said in an interview, uh, you have Charlie Sheen, who had just gone through the magazine cover superstar thing. That's now happening to me and Kiefer. <laughs> mm, let, let someone else say it. It's <laughs> happened to Emilio in the past. Rude. <laughs> and it's going to happen to our co-stars Casey and Derma. So we got to sit around at night and say, Wow. Aren't we great? (laughs) Aren't we good looking boys? (laughs) Uh, He does say, I'm sure a lot of people are hoping for any grain of information that there's a prima donna attitude on set. The guys don't get along. His trailer's bigger than mine, all this nonsense. But it's just not happening. Mostly, we play Pictionary in the Santa Fe Sheraton. That's a lie. Absolute bullshit. (laughs) That is bullshit. Are you fucking kidding me? If Pictionary means ripping tons of coke and shagging women, then yeah, it does. Bollocks. Why lie? Why lie? Everybody knows. If you're going to lie as well, you can't go so far the no. other way. You can say we have a few drinks. Yeah, and yeah. people are like, oh, well, maybe I'd buy that. That's true. We have a laugh, bit of a party in the hotel yeah. bar. Boys will be boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Picture me. <laughs> Shut up. So this was directed by Christopher Kane, whose other notable movies following this were the fourth Karate Kid movie in which Ralph Macchio was replaced with Hilary Swank and the <laughs> Joe Pesci, Danny Glover lethal weapon cash-in comedy Gone Fishing. Perfect. Uh, He was a family friend of Estevez and Sheen because he coached the little league teams that they played against. Oh, nice. Mm, Which I'll explain why I said that when we get to Charlie Sheen's casting. Uh, Apparently the film was shot really quickly after being greenlit because they wanted to get it out during the summer holidays so kids would be able to go see their new big screen favourites. Or as Mulroney puts it during an interview, they're just jacking this movie out. Okay, nice. Uh, It's written by John Fusco who's had a pretty good career in film. Uh, A fair few uh, films uh, based around the Old West, which has been a passion of his since he was nine years old, which I think is a problem when it came to writing this movie. I will explain later. So he did Young Guns 1 and 2, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, and Hidalgo. Oh, right. Which is a movie I really like and I know is a bit rubbish. Yeah. But quite enjoy Hidalgo. Okay. It's very transportative. You're there. And because Viggo Mortensen loves horses... In real life, you do believe the relationship he has with that horse is very moving. Okay. You haven't seen it, have you? No. You should watch it because it's all about an animal. (laughs) Uh, So his inspiration, John Fusco, was to make a more realistic tale about Billy the Kid. He says, "When when I first saw a photo of Billy the Kid, what hit me was it didn't correspond at all with the legend of the noble bandit, the left hander who whistled sad ballads, the lady killer. I looked at this young man in the photo and went, no, there's something else here. This is a ferret in a derby. <laughs> ferret in a derby, band name called it. <laughs> so budget was 11 million, big hit, which is why we got the sequel. 56 million on an 11 million dollar budget. Not bad. It's all right, yeah. I mean, not huge, but certainly not bad. You ready to go through this bad boy? Yeah, I think so. You don't seem sure. It's just, it's, I tell you what, it's because of the, I knew it was going to be like this, but it, it's the opening credits with the electric guitar. Oh, like, God. Yeah. It's the fact that the camera holds on each of their faces just a little it bit too, a bit too long, long. Yeah. to make it awkward. Like they've gone, are you done? <laughs> uh, are you storming? Uh, can I move It makes now? sense because it's star power, but you're right. I don't know what it is. It's just, it becomes uncomfortable. Yeah. Kind of awkward, kind of over-stylized. Then we're in Lincoln, New Mexico where kindly Terence Stamp is taking Kiefer Sutherland for a ginger beer and a dollop of whipped cream. Yeah. However, Kiefer isn't interested in this Mary Poppins bullshit. Because he's like 25 years old (laughs) for a start. If they were, the whole thing, like Terence Stamp is quite a a big presence. Like he's quite menacing. He is in this. (laughs) Like he's not meant to be. He's meant to be a kindly benefactor. 
But keep referring to them all the time as boys when they're patently not boys, they're men. <laughs> mm. And he's just, you know, he's like, I've got a soft spot for runaways. And you think, <laughs> no, I bet you fucking do, don't you? Like, they're vulnerable, in your words, young men, with no recourse to the law if you do decide on payment for lodgings yeah. kind of thing. It's weird when Jack Palance turns up and starts yeah. basically accusing him of being a kiddie fiddler. And you agree with him. Or not even a kiddie fiddler because they're adults, but of going, oh yeah, I'm sure you yeah, like I bet to you do. educate. Yeah. In, in Irish though, I'm sure you like to educate, <laughs> I'm Irish, educate your young boys. You're like, eh, you're supposed to be a dick, but that's what I've been thinking for 20 minutes. Yeah, and the trouble is, you if he was asking for nothing in return, I think he does say that, but there's the scene where Emilio Estevez when they've rescued him, he won't read after dinner. And and John says to him in this really, after he's chided them about their table manners, which is such a power move as well. It's mm. really dad thing to do, like very, that's weird. Um, and he says, are you read or you get out? So it's like, you've got like your kink. Do you know what I mean? Read slower. Read to me. Slower. <laughs> yeah. Read it slower. Now faster. Now read faster. Read it faster. Oh, that's right. That's what I mean. <laughs> oh, yuck. That's what I thought. So it just yeah. I, it took me a while to get over that and get my eye in with the film because I was like, you clearly, there is something going on here. Yeah. Well, Billy shows up very early on, uh, a young male on the run from the law, which makes him perfect material yeah. for Terence's workforce on his ranch, or as he calls them, his dregs, the flotsam and jetsam of frontier society. Mm. We prefer regulators. Well, <laughs> I call you dregs. I'm your daddy, so I get to choose. Can we not go regulators? Maybe dregulators, <laughs> but that's that's as far as I'll go. Uh, Billy, for some reason, immediately goes to war with a pig. Uh, he actually <laughs> threatens a pig by pulling his gun on it. Yes. Now, admittedly, he has been told at this point, pigs are smarter than dogs. Mm. So you can forgive him for thinking a pig recognises what a firearm is and feels genuinely threatened. <laughs> but uh, Emilio describes him as a reactive character. Chris, uh, the director, said that he never wanted to see Billy thinking. This is Emilio's words. He never wanted to see Billy thinking. As an actor, you are trained to think on camera. So I'm having to unlearn everything. Wow. That's his uh, description of Billy, his character. Uh, so he's had to unlearn everything, including presumably the mental capacity of a pig. Mm. Anyway, uh, before Billy can defeat his porcine nemesis, a real villain turns up, Jack Palance, who threatens to Terence Stamp's good name with all his like, oh, educating young boys stuff, uh, to which <laughs> Stamp uh, sort of goes, <laughs> in what is maybe the funniest line in the movie, I will not ignore political corruption. I'm English. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I quite like that. Yeah, Did you good. like that? Yeah, I mean, it's weird that he's English, but I, yeah, I quite liked that. I couldn't really tell what Jack Palance was saying, to be honest, apart just... from then when he's like, he's like talking about a beef out outfit, which I was like, well, all of a sudden we're into like small consumerist politics kind of thing, which I wasn't expecting. Or Lady Gaga at an awards show. True. And then he's having this fight and then he's like, get ready for hell. And it's like, where did that come from? Like, I thought <laughs> he was talking about prices, but no. Yeah, it's weird. I really liked Jack Palance doing this sure. exact act in Tango and Cash. <laughs> However, I don't like it here and I don't know why. Does it make you think of City Slickers and make you wish you were watching that? Maybe that is it. That well, could be it. Yeah. Uh, there is a, a nice moment here, though. You mentioned it. I, I do quite like the reading scene, not because I ever saw the kink in it. <laughs> Read, it. Read it to me. Read it to me. But it's the fact that... Billy, when he's handed the book, you're like, this guy's not going to know how to read. Mm -hmm. And he's got perfect reading skill. Mm -hmm. Reads it out loud. No problem at all. So I think this is where my problem with the film comes from. Because you're immediately like, that's interesting. Because why can he read so well? Mm -hmm. I can't wait to have that question answered. Mm. And it never is. And also, why would he not want to? Why does he want to keep that on the down low? As well? Yeah, and I think what's happened is that John Fusco's being so like interested in Billy the Kid that throughout this movie he drops in real events from the history slash mythology of Billy the Kid. Yeah, which don't really ever come to fruition in the story. Mm. So we're constantly told stuff, which I think is either. Him making the wrong assumption that everyone is very familiar with Billy the Kid's story, too familiar mm. in his, uh, like, as in we're all like, oh, it's that moment. It's the moment where he meets Pat Garrett. Oh, my God, I remember reading about that. I didn't even cover that in the Old West GCSE history exam. Or 
It's the fact that he's trying to keep Billy, the kid, enigmatic in some way. Like, we, he doesn't want to reveal too much. When he's your fucking protagonist, you want to know a bit more about him. Yeah. Especially as this goes on and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? So McCluskey turns up, one of Palance's boys who says he wants to be on stamp side. And you're like, okay, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Is he a plant or not? Yep. Did you think he was a plant? I did. Yep. Me too. So there was no or not. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also when Stamp goes, all right, regulators, let's dance. I did genuinely think it was going to be like the reading session and he was going to stand there and watch them dance with each other. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to go to a party. <laughs> it's the worst party in the world, though. I hate this party. Why do you hate this party? It's just weird. It's just It just seems strange. Like, um, And then Terrence like, keeps talking about... But who would look after my boys? And he's like, stop saying <laughs> boys. And what's Kiefer Sutherland's character called? Doc. Doc. So Doc's thing, like Kiefer Sutherland looks like Kiefer Sutherland and that is a big part of who he is, yep. right? So for him to have this mix of like naivety. So when he meets Yen's son, he doesn't understand that Murphy as her guardian. So she's like, that's my guardian or my benefactor or whatever. Mm. And he doesn't understand what that means because he's an idiot. So he's like a naive poet. Yep. But... He's been living a hard life. Later on, he says he's been running with other gangs. So the fact that he wouldn't recognise like an enslaved sex worker when he sees one, see, it feels false. I mean, let's call it what it is. You do not cast Kiefer Sutherland no. as a lovesick poet. No. Full stop. That's the thing. That's no one Kiefer, ever does. <laughs> that's Kiefer Sutherland there. <laughs> yeah. Look at him. Yeah. That's exactly. Kiefer. Sorry, what are you missing? It's Kiefer Sutherland. I'm a poet. <laughs> you're like, no, you're not. No. This is so miscast. Yeah. Um, and it, but he does have it explained to him that she has been given. No, sorry, not given. Uh, Jack Palance takes okay, her, yeah. took her as payment for a ruined shirt yeah. from a laundrette. She's pretty dark. If you've ever been to a dry cleaners and had something ruined, you've been tempted. I think that law should still exist because <laughs> they are very sort of like, sorry, yeah, it's it's fucked. Your shirt is ruined. Yeah, um, tough shit. And you're like. Cool, give me your baby. <laughs> That's the rule. Give me your baby. There does appear to be a sign on the door, so it's, I don't want to, but... Uh. There should be some threat over the ruining of clothes by laundrettes right. and dry cleaners, and I think a gift of a child should Is be one of those things. Absolutely. I might be on my own here, but I know there's a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people right now going, damn right, my shirt came back I pink, said it. and uh, I want a kid for that. Plus, you can ruin it yourself. There's no point paying someone to ruin it. Uh, I know. You mentioned Waitrose, but I've told you before, I do I do enjoy a, a dry clean shirt. Yeah, I know you do. It's just beautiful. Because I fucking hate ironing. Billy meets Pat Garrett and he's like, I'll be famous as him one day. So you're like, okay, cool. Pat Garrett's in this or is he? No, he's not. He's gone again. <laughs> so it's around now when I'm going, when is Terrence Stamp going to die? Mm. I'm getting a little impatient, but bang on 25 minutes, yep. he I'll goes. For that. Yep. And you structurally... First plot point, yep. act one over, Terrence Stamp dead. I was like, all right, okay, you get a pass there. Then Alex McSween, played by Locke from Lost. Yay! AKA <laughs> Terry O'Quinn, uh, gets the boys deputised, um, which actually happened in real life. Although in the movie, I'm not, sort of not really clear what powers this gives them, what no. that really means. It's like, it's sort of, then it's kind of explained they can go out and arrest the people who murdered Terence Stamp. Yes, but that's all they can do. Right. And straight away, they just start killing everyone. Like, they're not brilliant at being deputies. <laughs> and that's Billy the Kid's fault. That is Billy the Kid's fault because Charlie Sheen goes, uh, who plays Dick Brewer, who was a, a real-life, the real-life leader of the regulators. He sends Billy in first. I think it's Henry Hill is the name of the yeah. first guy. And he doesn't arrest him, but he kills him. And I quite like this moment because this is the first time you realise Billy the Kid is a bit of a psychopath. Yes. The way he does it, it's really good. It's great because he's like laughing. And he's you get like a lot out of a giggle. Him. That's the thing. Mm. It's, a, it's a bit of an easy trope to fall back on. But if you murder someone and do a bit of an insane giggle, mm. you're a psychopath. So. Uh, so Billy becomes a bit of a threat to Dick Brewer now because it's like there's a, a bit of a leadership thing which comes to play later. Uh, Charlie Sheen, obviously Emilio Estevez's brother, he's in the movie. This is interesting. So he just had a movie of his cancelled. And he says, I called Emilio and I said, this is really bad. I feel like shit. 
because Sheen's current project uh, was postponed abruptly by Columbia Pictures. And so Amelia Estevez says, we haven't cast Dick Brewer yet. We can play enemies in this. It'll be really fun. Come on board. Call Chris, their childhood friend and also director of the movie. So that's how Charlie Sheen jumps on board. The movie that Columbia postponed abruptly was Johnny Utah. Was it? Which is obviously the original name of Point Break. Yeah. Now, I never I, I never knew that he'd actually been cast in it, which I knew he was someone they looked at for it. Yeah. But this sounds like they'd actually cast him, gone, the film's called Johnny Utah, and then gone, actually, fuck this. Pretend it's not happening. Yeah. Go and get then, someone else. Exactly. Yeah, I remember reading that he was in the frame, but I, didn't, I don't remember reading that it would actually happened and then stopped. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. If Chris here, he'd probably know even more and be able to add some much-missed Tilly trivia. Uh, Charlie Sheen does have my favourite movie moment so far in this when they meet the other guys they're looking for and he goes, Buenos dias, shitheads. <laughs> His accent. I mean, I can't do uh, like a Texan or whatever they're from accent. But at first, I was like, is his name Billy or Billa? Because he's just going like, Billa? He's like, what? What? <laughs> I mean, in the accent department, no one comes out very well in That's this. That's true. Um, McCluskey's death is good here, though, because uh, you kind of think he's a traitor, as we established. I know, but it is it is good, but you need to be sure. <laughs> and it doesn't seem to me, he doesn't have a tell or something like that. So Billy the Kid has got his number. He's like, I know. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, burner, bang. Mm. Awesome. But if you were the rest of the gang, you'd be like, but what is it exactly that gave him away? But isn't that the point? Isn't yeah. it the point that Billy is like, that there is nothing that gives him away and he still does it. And it's like, I I just go on my instincts and sure. I do what I want. But and that want makes the, them all nervous. Yeah, but you want the audience. Or maybe you don't actually, having said that. Like, maybe you do want to feel a bit wrong-footed by him, I suppose. It makes it a bit more of an exciting ride, doesn't it? Like, if you're not sure. Mm. Yeah. I just For me, it was the fact that when he goes, I think, oh, whose side are you on? And because he goes, I'm with you, I'm with you, um, which is his accent. And <laughs> then Billy sort of looks like he's not going to shoot him. Yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he is by now. And if they're going to drag this, oh, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Really immediate sort of response. Yeah. The only strange moment is they, they end that scene with Kiefer Sutherland staring after the body like he's never seen such horror in his life. It's like, <laughs> we blatantly have. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, the inhumanity. <laughs> a sex worker? Death. <laughs> yeah. He's a new Here? idea. <laughs> Here in this, in the Wild West. <laughs> Wild West. <laughs> I've just been calling it the West. <laughs> this is insane. I don't want to be here. <laughs> you people are maniacs. <laughs> uh, so uh, what do you do after you've watched someone gun down? Get fucking high. Yeah, trip your nuts <clears throat> off. Peyote. Um, yeah. According to Lou Diamond Phillips, uh, this is the first time there's been a surreal drug scene in a Western. Okay, I mean, I don't. I'm like you. I'm not a massive fan of western, so I can't contradict that. Uh, but it feels right. I'm sort of enjoying the film a lot more now. I didn't. Weirdly, it's normally the setup of a film that I, I sort of like. Oh, all right, I like this, and then you get to the middle act, and it all starts to feel a bit floppy. Sure. And here, I'm sort of. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying McCluskey's death. I'm enjoying Emilio Estevez being a psycho, and I like the peyote scene. I like Kiefer Sutherland in slow mo. Yeah, me too. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Estevez. Trying to twirl his gun and it flying off. Love a bit of slapstick. Yeah. Him riding backwards through the Native American village on the horse. Oh, yeah. Funny. <laughs> this is funny stuff. It is funny. It's a brave thing to do, considering, and I know they do make light of this within the scene itself, but everyone's got a gun and they're being pursued. Now, to me, I've never done peyote, but if I was going to do it, it would. I would need to be so relaxed and I need to have all external factors like locked down, like no one's going to even come in the same room or whatever. Yeah, like, Never mind people trying to kill you. Yeah, it, and, all, and you've yeah. got a loaded weapon. I wrote down the same thing. It's like doing peyote on a fucking cliff. <laughs> yeah. Like when you're being chased and you're, you've got firearms is insane. That is not relaxing. So there you go, kids. Yeah, uh, if you're going to do it. If you're going to do peyote, nice duvet. Maybe some Pixar movies. Only your actual best friends in the whole world. Yeah, not uh, not upstairs in Henry's room. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Why? I was your best friend and you did it with other people and then you came down and were like, help me. <laughs> and I was like, 
actually. I'm not going to. No. no because yeah. you did it without me. I was like, oh, what, what are you watching there, Alex? You were like, delicatessen watches. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Please get me home. No. Watch delicatessen. Shut up. Do you know of all the things that I've done to you? <laughs> that still sticks in my throat as a, a bad thing that I did. It was a bad thing. It was a bad thing. All you were looking for was like, can you, just, can you maybe just get me a taxi home? That's I'm all like, I wanted you to I'm, do. I'm not going to help you because though you were with other people. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. That's your apology. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Uh, right then. <laughs> On that history lesson, uh, let's take a break. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Abroad in Japan is the Stack Podcast that brings you a taste of life in Japan. Recently, Chris Broad was joined by NHK contributor and legendary video game streamer Pete for a chat about his life as a TEFL teacher. I one time taught a woman who was still pregnant and I had to teach her stomach. What? Yes, and so... Wait, wait, what? She came in, seven months pregnant, and they were like, no, she wants you to just to talk to her stomach. So I was sitting there giving instruction. Very specifically. She held her tummy and she said, I think he's getting it. And I thought, oh, "Oh, dear God. Just bizarre. Search Abroad in Japan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. New episodes every Wednesday and Sunday. So, um, we're back now. Uh, Sheen and Estevez have a little battle about who's going to be the leader. Um, I kind of feel that she needed more screen time. I agree. I feel that, especially as we get a, a scene now where, <laughs> which is another, this is a bit silly. So Buckshot Roberts, a bounty hunter, uh, turns up and literally says, as he's put uh, loading his firearm, I'm here to kill you all and collect the bounty. And they're like, come again now. And he's mm. like, sorry, I'm, I'm going to kill you all. And you're like, there's five of you. Yeah, how's that possible? And he still gets the upper hand yes. and manages to wound two of them and kill Charlie Sheen. Yeah, I was really confused as to what was happening because he hides the assassin, as I've called him, because I didn't know his name. Buckshot Roberts. Buckshot Roberts. Real, hides... real character in real life. It was quite cool. He's quite old and grizzled and he's like, I am going to do this and I'm brilliant at my job, so I'm not even concerned by there being many more of you mm. and you've got like, you know, you're all 21 or whatever. But he hides in a toilet. And then Charlie Sheen walks towards the toilet yep. and then gets killed. And I have no idea how that happened. It's um, it's an interesting one. I think he almost steals the whole movie. Brian Keith, who plays Buckshot Roberts, I think is so good in this tiny role. Uh, in real life, it was the regulators who started a fight with Buckshot Roberts. Um, 
He sounds like quite a nice guy. He rode a mule in real life. Uh, He accidentally bumped into them while riding his mule when he rode into town to see if a check had arrived because he'd sold his ranch and his land because of the Lincoln County War. And he was only targeted because he was a business associated of Jack Palance's character in the movie. And he didn't want any part of it. And the regulators went, no, we want you. We're going to arrest you. And so he starts loading his rifle and then they seal him in a house and there's a bit, there's a gunfight and he manages to like wound a couple of them and shoot another and then they shoot him. And then Dick Brewer, Charlie Sheen's character, in real life, Dick Brewer sort of goes, I'm getting impatient because he's not dead yet. And Mm. so goes around the side of the building behind some logs and fires where he thinks Buckshot Roberts is. And Buckshot Roberts sees the plume of smoke and when Dick Brewer put his head up again, he blew him through the eye. Wow. He shot him through the eye and killed him. So he is killed in real life, Dick Brewer, by Buckshot Roberts as well. Interesting. And it's not dissimilar to Charlie Sheen just walking up to the shed guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Makes sense now. So Charlie's dead. Um, but weirdly, because he's not been on screen much, no emotional reaction to that. No, I think it's a shame. The scene you were talking about when uh, Billy the Kid and Dick Brewer are having their like man off about, I want to be the boss. The only intrigue there is that you know that they're uh, brothers in real life because mm. you're like, oh, that's interesting. But if you didn't know that, you, the character work isn't quite there. No. And you know, you know me and being sentimental for animals. The scene that actually affects me the most in Charlie Sheen's death is when they all ride off and they leave his oh, they horse yeah. still tied to the post. And it's like, I want to go with my mates. Yeah. And it can't because its master's dead. Yeah, and it's and not I, even free to roam. Exactly. It's going to stay there. And starve. Maybe. Someone will find it. I hope so. They will. I got a little bit upset. So that was my most tearful moment in this whole film. Uh, so then... Emilio's in charge. Uh, Kiefer leaves because he's like, I'm in love. <laughs> With someone I met for 10 seconds. <laughs> bye bye. Yen Sun, I'm coming to surprise you. And At work. <laughs> She's literally at work, Doc. And you will get her killed. Like, I, I know it's of its time, not of the Wild West, but I think more of like the 80s. Like, when she's the scene earlier when she's walking down the street and he's like, I want to give you this bunch of scratty flowers. <laughs> and she's like, I really can't take those because she doesn't say it because it's the 80s, but she's like, I will get killed. If my boss sees you with me, I'll get killed. So can you please fuck off? <laughs> and then he gets mad with her and he's being, I'm a gentle poet. And then he's like, stop. And it's like, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick to her. And she does her, her best to be like, I love you, but I can't do this, whatever. And then to make it worse, she's at work in bed doing what she has to do, mm. and he bounds in like an idiot. And he's like, come with me. She's like, you're going to get her killed. Yeah, it's quite a weird scene because she goes, my benefactor, uh, my protector has told me that you're a bandit. And that's not enough, though. <laughs> you're a bandit who's going to cut me up into little pieces and eat me. <laughs> yes. But she does a very fast 360 where she then goes, I keep a box in my brain <laughs> with the flowers you gave me in them. And you're like, yeah. so which one is it? Yeah. Going to be eaten yeah. or flowers or in box? Or I'm quite pleased to see you. <laughs> yeah. So that's confusing. Um, and also, Kiefer, I think, has run off because Lou Diamond Phillips is going to do a big speech. And he's like, oh, no. I'm not sticking around for this. I don't mind this speech. I think some of the language is quite good. I think it gives you an idea of the violence of the Old West, yes. the bit where he talks about his mother being cut from the privates to her neck by a sabre, and you're like, oof. Yeah. He's good in this. And it also works because this is the first time you've really got this moment where they're going, Billy, we're not sure about your plan. Yeah. We're not going to follow you. And you're like, okay, good. Descent within the ranks. This same beat is repeated about 27 times <laughs> of true. like, yeah. Billy, we don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. All right, then. Yeah, Fine. don't worry about it. Yeah, we'll do it then. Yeah. And it just keeps over and over again. And you're like, you just get worn down by it. I think it's the um, Lou Diamond Phillips speech is good to contextualise everything. But being mean, and not not on it because it is a good performance, but you are on the run. <laughs> like, there isn't time to be like, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my pain. Like, it's important. But it, it, in the real world, being on the run, you'd be like, can we just, can we do this while we're moving? <laughs> just, yeah. yeah, it is. It is. And he's standing aloft, like exposed, on yeah. top of a ridge yeah. going, I'm silhouetted against the sun. Yeah. Easy prey for any sniper. <laughs> but yeah. let me tell you about the trust hoop. <laughs> well, <laughs> something like that. I can't remember. I didn't write it down. The trust hoop is telling me to go west, but you can be part of my trust hoop if you come with me. It's like, and then Billy goes, I get this trust hoop thing. I've got my own trust hoop. Yeah. 
do you want to be in my trust too? <laughs> Just, um, anyway, uh, Estevez kills Sheriff Brady, a legitimate law enforcement official, making them actual outlaws. Alex McSween turns up again, having been somewhere. And he's like, I, what have you done, Billy? I'm off to write to President Hayes, who gets enough mentions in the film. I expected him to turn up in the final act and go, I pardon these boys. True, yeah. Sorry about all this. Yes. Yeah. He keeps getting mentioned and he never appears. Yeah. When the army turn up, I'm like, and then the president? <laughs> yeah. Where is he? Because President Hayes has had 62 mentions. <laughs> so... um. The eight stakes have been upped, though, because they're going to get hanged. Yeah, so the character, the, the Charlie character, mm. he's really worried about them hanging and he's got a bit of an arc, but I'm not entirely sure what he thought would happen because from the get-go, they've not been amazing at being deputies because they keep slaughtering everybody. Yeah. So you got hanged, didn't you, back then for fuck all, basically. Mm. So if you slaughtered loads of people, probably going to uh, get a hanging. Oh, you mean the bit where he's like, no, this is, things have changed now, yeah. Billy. Now, now we're going to get hanged. What about when you shot like eight people? Yeah, but I mean, he has got a great reaction to the news that he might be hanged, which is to visit the sex worker who took his virginity for a hug. Yeah. Which is apparently the same price as sex. <laughs> you about to haggle? <laughs> she, she's like, just so you know, it, it all costs the same. It's like, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> You should put up a sign where just listing those prices. That feels very off the cuff. Really? <laughs> I think she's fair enough because the same amount of time has been taken. She could be. Why should she lose out? Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, it's, is it a question of time or is it a question of Effort. energy expended? <laughs> yeah. Risk, I guess. Yeah. 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 I, I, I just feel she should have done him a deal. I feel you're bringing something else to the table here and that's best left where it was. Fine, fine. Uh, there's some more myth building here about the real life legend of Billy the Kid when he kills a Texas bounty hunter in a bar. Which is a great scene. Yes, I like this very much. I mean, I'm into it much more now, like you said, because Billy's activism has been has been made more clear to me because the stakes are super high, because they're on the run, because they're going to die. And he's like, I will get the president's attention like this. And the violence and what they've been up to as an act of revolution now makes sense to me. So I was like, oh, I'm with you now. I get this whole... I don't know much about Billy the Kid, for mm. real. So it had to be explained to me in a bit more sort of explicit terms. So now that I understand that he's a, a working class hero... I'm more into it. Does it say, does it, so, okay. Because my problem with this scene was I just didn't feel it served the plot in any way. It was just sort of... It's just of, a chance for him to show off a bit, isn't it? It's a chance for him to show off. and But it just felt like this Texas bounty hunter was like going, and he whistled sad ballads. Yeah. And you're like, that's true. That's a fact about Billy the Kid. And then Emilio Estevez whistles a sad ballad. And you're like, oh, and so... It suffers from the thing that we talk about a lot, which you could lift that scene and you could put it maybe 10 minutes earlier or 10 minutes later and it wouldn't make any difference. Exactly. Which I think is a problem. Then the whole thing gets a, a very butch and Sundance um, with John Kenny and his super posse yeah. chasing them. Uh, <laughs> John Kenny is like talked about as this terrifying force of nature. Mm. Doesn't look like that. Uh, that horse is straining. Uh, <laughs> it really is. Uh, but that's not my worst problem. They ride through some thorns. Yes. Cut to Lou Diamond Phillips, who is uh, pulling the thorns out of Dermot Mulroney's buttocks mm. and then using uh, whiskey from a bottle to clean the wound by pressing the lip of the bottle against the buttock. Yeah. Dermot Mulroney's character is called Dirty Steve Stevens. <laughs> And he is filthy. Yeah. He presses the bottle, the lip of the bottle against the batok, mm. and then he swigs from it. I love a whiskey. But yeah. That's too much. Yeah, there is a line. That's just basic hygiene. <laughs> yeah. So that was a bit of a problem. Um, so then we have time for another party. Our second party of the movie. And Charlie gets married? This is clearly here, in my opinion, so that to go. Charlie's going to die and it's going to be sad because he's just got married. But who does he marry? When did that happen? Do they know each other? No. They had a dance yeah. and then cut to she's in a wedding dress. Oh, what do you fucking need, Vicky? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. No wonder you haven't got married. <laughs> I am a demanding person. <laughs> it's my own fault. That's all it should take. Yeah. A, a dance. Look at me. What do I want? What do I expect? Someone like you? No, no, no. no. Um, there's a good moment here where Pat Garrett turns up 
uh, to set this trap for the final act. And there's a, it's the bit where Billy turns his back on him and Pat Garrett is out of focus, but it looks like he's going for his gun. Oh, I didn't notice. And then he doesn't. So okay. Billy goes, are you my friend, Pat? But in the in real life, it's because I think that the interesting thing here, which I think, you know, it's about sort of taking the real history and then just using it for an interesting point in the film. I see. I don't know if that works. I think the trouble is if once I came to this film, obviously I already thought I'd seen it, but you're like, if you were in the 80s, you're like, oh my God, I want to see those men do this thing. Do you care about the thing as much as you care about seeing seeing no. your guys? Like, so if you're going to weave in, if you're going to do like a little a little historical Easter egg kind of thing, mm. you it needs to play second fiddle to seeing the boys do what they do. Right, and I don't think there's enough of that in this film. Exactly. So Pat Garrett really did kill Billy the Kid eventually, yeah. as the legend goes, and he shot him in the back. So that is a little nod to like that is how Billy will eventually die. Yeah. But until you know that, if you don't know it, then it's just like pfft. it's confusing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, again, like I said at the start, I, I do think um, uh, the writer uh, Fusco. Yeah, John. John, thank you. John Fusco. I think it, it's just this assumption that people are like, oh, that bit. And you're like, yeah. no, don't know. Sorry, John. <laughs> uh, so they go to Lincoln for the final showdown. Uh, it turns out Alex McSween is ill, which is new information. And oh, that's yeah. really pointless. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> he doesn't do, oh no, he does sacrifice himself a bit, doesn't he? Or does he just walk into the line of fire? I'm not sure. Well, we'll get to that because before that, uh, we've got this prolonged standoff. I don't like the shootout. I don't. I mean, a shootout can be fun, but they don't make enough of the geography of the house. So they're basically in one room. They hide by the same window. You could have gone to the cellar. You could have gone wherever, but they don't. And it's only when... Oh, actually, and then the baddies try to set it on fire, but it's not really even on fire. It's like a bit smoky, so that it no. doesn't feel like a big threat. And then until Billy the Kid hides in a trunk, which is awesome... I was just like, mm, I I'm not into it. It made me laugh and I thought it was fun. Although I, it made me think he's a very small person. So I just... Didn't like it. I mean, I, what, it's exactly the kind of moment that I'm like, yes, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. But I couldn't get past the fact that he is thrown out of a first floor window <laughs> yeah. in a trunk yeah. and then it lands and he just suddenly springs out and goes, bah, 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 and you're like, yeah. Yeah, at least disorientated, if not injured. <laughs> yeah. One of the two. Yeah. So it's a stretch, even for me, and I love shit like that. Uh, so uh, Diamond Phillips, Kiefer and Billy escape. Dirty Steve and Charlie are gunned down. Uh, Charlie, uh, apparently, despite being married, uh, is intent on taking down John Kenny. Yeah. He's like, you mean you, John Kenny? <laughs> mean you! Mean you, like... You haven't mentioned him until this point in the movie. Where yeah. did this vendetta come from? And also, Billy the Kid is really stoking that fire. He's like, "Go for it, Charlie." It's like, but he's just got married and he's got no skin in this game. Really, like, let just no. Yeah, uh, and then as you mentioned, poor Alex McSween uh, is the one who gets all eight barrels of a gasoline gun. Yeah, uh, when- just for being their lawyer. I tried to work it out and I think it's because he mentions earlier when you're like, sorry, what? You're ill, but your life insurance means you can't hold a gun. Okay, right, Alex McSweet. So I think it's the fact that he comes out surrendering and he still gets gunned down means that his life insurance policy remains intact because oh. he's not killed in a firefight because he's unarmed oh, I see. and the army kill him anyway, which means that his wife, yeah. Susan, who's fucking great in this She's bit, brilliant, yeah. who's like unfazed by anything for most of it, she's yeah. like, shut up and then... I'm gonna slap you around the face. Yeah, like like I'm like Mrs. Kitner in Jaws. <laughs> you get a slap. So yeah, um, he gets gunned down. Uh, she gets the money and gets to build an empire in honor of him and John Tunstall. And you think it's all over, and I'm sort of like, what? And then it is great where Jack Pounce is like, oh, God damn, they got away, I'm Irish. And <laughs> Billy the Kid just rides back in and goes, reap it, reap it, reap it, reap it, my catchphrase for the movie. I've used it three times, reap yeah. it. And shoots him in the head and it's I was good. like, oh, yes. Yeah, it's really good. I'll take that. And I do like the, po I don't normally enjoy a postscript because I, don't know, just can be a bit lazy, but I do really like this postscript. And I like the fact that Susan is like the boss mm -hmm. of the beef now. And yeah, so what happens? So she she does really well. She takes the life insurance yeah. and in honour of <clears throat> Terence Stamp's character and Terry O'Gwen's character basically builds uh, this a, empire. A, of beef. Yeah. Yeah. An, a beef empire. Yeah. Beef. A empire. Beef. <laughs> <laughs> really? I can't. 
I'm so rubbish and stuff like that. I don't even know why I bothered. Why dip your toe in? I never learn. Uh, I wouldn't be the same if you didn't try, though. So nice. So nice. It just makes you look better. Um, but uh, do you like the postscript? So... Uh, Chavez y Chavez, Lou Diamond Phillips' character, goes to California and works on a fruit farm. I See, think. that was, I mean, I, I like knowing what happened to them, but that doesn't sound like a happy ending because I think working on a fruit farm back then would probably be quite hard work yeah, and exploitative like and all the rest of it. Uh, Kiefer goes east, uh, Doc goes east with uh, Yunsen. Yeah. And uh, they have a, a great time, great sure, life. Because they're made for each other, because mm, they yeah. know each other so well. Yeah. They've just, they've got, they've got on like a house on fire. They have, yeah. Mm. That should have been a joke that he used when the house was on fire <laughs> and she runs into it. He's like, I know we get on like a house on fire, but this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here all night, folks. <laughs> Try the meal. Um, so, and uh, yeah, then Billy the Kid gets killed by Pat Garrett eventually. Yeah. Shot. And is it in the back in the dark, unarmed or something? Basically, no it's idea. like Billy would have won yeah. if Pat Garrett hadn't cheated. Been so sneaky. Mm. Yeah. And that's your lot. Any more for any more? No, well done. Thanks. Thanks. I mean... I was worried about that one. Really? Yeah, a little bit. I'm glad you didn't tell me at the top. <laughs> Sorry. Why were you worried about it particularly? <clears throat> Just because I found it quite... I, well, because I was... Um, it's my own fault, but I, I came into being like, can't wait to watch this. I was like, fuck, I've never seen it. Mm. So I just was playing catch You thought up. it was Tombstone, didn't you? Which I is a po- great film. I mean, very possibly. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was funnier than it was. And yeah. It, it is funny. It is funny in parts, but I thought it was going to be... I don't think it was going to be hot shots, but I thought it was going to be, <laughs> like, funny. Yeah. Maybe a bit more like The Three Musketeers. Yeah, which... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> which PS I fucking love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, Chris is so he's not here. He's not here. But he will check. Yeah. You know he will check. I don't think he listens to the shows. I honestly don't. Well, any of them. Any of them, yeah. That's that's really weird. I always imagine that he sort of... Listens to them the most. Sort of in the dark, rocking back and forth. <laughs> Taking notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, yeah... I don't know what I expected from this movie. I think my problem was I had to watch it. I ended up watching it in three sittings because I was getting a bit bored. Right. So it was a three sitting movie for me. This, which is never good. Never good. I was interviewing Edgar Wright on my other podcast. The oh other my day. god! Did I fucking ask? <laughs> no, I didn't. Just the facts. Uh, you know, uh, you should check it out. Uh, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm sorry, but no. I'm but not. seriously, he made a really good analogy, which was like well, the reason movies should be watched in the cinema is because it's like a train. A movie's like a train, and once it starts going, you can't get off. Yeah. Until it stops. Whereas, you know, in a cinema, if you go to the toilet, the movie's still going on. But obviously, at home, you can go, pause, I'm going to do this. Yeah, which is, you know, it's not the right way not to Not the idea, movie. yeah. <coughs> that was a, a little snippet of... For just the fact. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the bits, Bessie. Uh, tripping on PLT. Uh, just because it's, um, I, I, it's something I would hate. I mean, having... Yeah, I'd hate to do now. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Different a long time, time. Ago. Very, different time. very different times. A lot of other things to worry about now that yep. would make it an unpleasant Absolutely. experience. Yeah, but, isn't it weird? Yeah. Like, responsibility ruins peyote. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Just of all the things you didn't have to worry about. that because And you can't walk into that with any concerns. That's, the, that's why I was amazed that they did it. If you've got a niggling doubt or a, insecurity about anything, do not take acid. Although, just to flip it around, if you did... I would get you a cab now because <laughs> I am a better person. Well, that's worth knowing. Yeah. That yeah. does make me feel. Maybe I'm so. If we're, if we're in the same building, I'm not going to come. Right, to, I see. I'm not going to come down to Lewisham. Yeah, it's, that's. Do you know how long that? I've told you before. It's a long cab. Maybe ride. a lot of my anxiety about tripping is because of that. Because I got trapped. I took you know, big Dave. I had to carry me down the stairs. Oh my god. I know. You know, you put me in a cab, obviously, and I had to get carried out at the other end. Someone met me at my house. And... Is he here now? With you? <laughs> No. Would he do so, it now? No. No. Exactly. But you would, so it's fine. So yeah, I just um, I was jealous because it, it does look like it, when they started taking it at night time, I was like, no, I wouldn't, I couldn't do that. But when it's daytime, doing something like that in the daytime is fun mm. because it feels safer and it mm. just feels funnier because it's like breaks all the rules. Obviously, you'd get up to all sorts of naughtiness at night time, but in the daytime to be doing that yeah. did look like fun. And I just think as well, it doesn't add to the plot, but it is a lot of fun to watch them do that. So that's why it's my favourite scene. Uh, mine is Billy killing Murphy at the very end with the line, Reap it, Murphy. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's great. I was like, oh, it ends on a high, which I think is important for this movie. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, MVW. Emilio Estevez. Because, oh, really? Yeah, because I went on a journey with him because at first I did find him really annoying and grating and that little giggle. I just found that, you know, I've read stuff about this is a really great version of Billy the Kid, you know, in the week. Realistic that. version, yeah. Yeah, but when you heard that giggle, you're like, why are you ruining everybody's plans, Billy? Like, what's, because like you say, it's a bit of a weird journey for the hero. 
because he, he disrupts everything almost immediately by killing Henry Hill. Yeah. So that was odd for me because I don't know anything about much about Billy the Kid. But then I went on the journey with him where he became, he sort of changed into enough of this sort of working class hero and, you know, his who changed history probably, I think. And that's I don't know if that's true, but that's what I got from his rendition of that character. See, I just... I. I just wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I wanted to know where he came from. Like, I don't think it's even mentioned. I might be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But I don't think it's even mentioned that the real life Billy the Kid didn't have a father figure mm. in his life. Which, I don't think so, no. Which is why when Terence Stamp dies, John Tunstall in real life, it sort of drove him. He was like, right, yeah, I've lost my new father figure. Yeah. Having not had my old father figure, I'm, I'm after revenge. Yeah. Now, to me, if that was in the movie, you'd be like, okay. I'm sort of I'm with this journey. To me, he's just he's just chaos. Like, yeah. and which is fine if it's the fucking Joker. Yeah. But for your protagonist, the person who you're meant to be, like, I empathise with this person. I'm on this person's journey. I get them. I like them. I just, he just doesn't have any of that for me. He just seems like a a, a man who is totally self centered. Mm. All it's it's all about ego for him. And in pursuing that ego trip, he gets loads of people killed. Yes. Which I, 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 didn't. I think the chaos thing, you are, you are right. Because when he kept banging on about John Tunstall, it's like you didn't know him that well. You didn't know him as well as the others. You'd only been there 10 minutes. So you, you're pushing this point mm. because you want to justify this chaos. But then I think the, the the political acts that he does, he sort of says it to justify his actions and then he kind of convinces himself that that's the journey he's on. And then I fell in with that. Okay. I just, he wasn't likeable enough for me to go on that journey. Um uh, I'm picking Brian Keith as Buckshot Roberts. Yeah, fair enough. In about 30 seconds, I'm like, just that grizzled old buffalo hunter, yeah. like in the animal skins. I was like, yeah, really good. Uh, so uh, what would you change? Right, you were like this. I've thought a lot about this. Okay. Right? So when Billy the Kid fools the Texan bounty hunter, the assassin in the bar with mm. whistling the mournful tune. Yep. I found that excruciating. I found whistling quite excruciating anyway. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be really brilliant at it. And I don't think he is. Anyway. You're not. I mean, that's fine. You can whistle, right. but it's just a bit. Can you... No, I can't. Oh, there it is. I <laughs> no, knew it. That's why. It's because you can't whistle. That's I really why you want ha- to be able. To, I want to be able to do the proper the wolf whistle. Yeah, I can't do that. I want a wolf whistle. You know, like yeah, but it's most of the time when people do the that fingers, one. In, the fingers <laughs> in the mouth is to go. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, no, I can't do it. Either. That was no. You can. That was better. So anyway, here we are. Right. So I would have done that. With the old, the uh, the right hand, left hand thing, because the newspaper says that Billy the Kid is left handed. So bear with me, right? Watch the scene. Imagine it being written like this. Okay. Ready? So Billy, at this point, has got a gun on the Texan bounty hunter, right? Billy has got the upper hand. He's got his gun on him, right? And it's in his right hand. So the shooter is like, bullshit. You're not Billy the Kid. The kid's left handed. So stop having me on, right? And then Billy goes, oh, yeah, swaps hands, shoots him dead in the head. Then Doc says to him, I didn't know you were actually left handed. And he goes, I'm not, but it's always good to practice. Oh. Yeah! That's a better scene. Like the reverse of the Blazing Saddles, Gene Wilder. <laughs> yeah, but I shoot with this hand. <laughs> yeah, right. Basically, because it would have been better. That's my only change. Uh, my change, and we've covered, I think it's admirable wanting to do a realistic version of Billy the Kid's story, but in its attempt to include all sorts of famous events in Billy's actual life, it loses the momentum of the film and makes for just choppy storytelling, and it should have leaned more into being a fictional story. I think you said it yourself earlier. There are things that you want to see this gang do mm. Like that are fun and kind of humorous and funny, and the banter is a little more, you know, Hollywood as yeah. opposed to sort of like, oh, depressing beef old outfit. west beef beef outfit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just think it should have leaned more into having fun yeah. as opposed to being realistic, considering the kind of film it was. So that is Young Guns Done. Uh, let's look ahead to next week. There's no quiz. Sorry. I was going to write one, but... <laughs> one. I thought about doing it for you as well. She's so t- t- sadistic. Yeah. Because it's getting to the point where I don't really enjoy it. I, I am enjoying it because I'm winning a lot at the moment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there's no quiz this week because Chris isn't here. Uh, so let's move on to next week, uh, which is your week, Victoria. Yeah. What is the clue for the Clash pairing on next week's shows? <laughs> Are you ready? Mm. I will always take a bullet for you apart from that one time I didn't. Oh, <laughs> Because I know where they are. That's very good. Thank you. That's very good. Okay, one more time, though. I will always take a bullet for you apart from that one time I didn't. (laughs) Lovely stuff. 
Uh, before next week, though, we're obviously back on Thursday talking 1993's The Three Musketeers. Don't forget you can get tickets for our live show on November the 11th here in London at the Loading Bar, Stoke Newington. You do that on eventbrite.co.uk. Just tap into the search bar, clash of the titles, all the details about the event come up. It is Cocktail versus Coyote Ugly. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and indeed review us if you have the time. It's a great help. And check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Back Thursday. Bye-bye. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.